0: Welcome to Forbes Podcasts. I'm Denise Ristari, and this is Mentoring Moments, a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Join me in my New York City apartment and tap into the conversations I'm having with fabulous women who are sharing their oh-so-crazy-but-true stories about their lives, loves, and jobs. We'll have a new episode every other Tuesday, and Mentoring Moments is part of the Forbes Podcast Network, produced by Fractal Recording. Alicia Reiner hangs out with women who commit crimes and do the time. In Orange is the New Black, she plays Fig, the tough-as-nails assistant warden. She produced and starred in the new movie Equity, a Wall Street thriller about devious women who are bracing for the glass ceiling. And she's involved in murder and sex. She plays D.A. Parks in Shonda Rhimes' breakout hit, How to Get Away with Murder. And you'll find her on season four. Of masters of sex. Prison, Wall Street, murder, sex. That's who Alicia plays but so not who she is. In real life she's all about using her powers for good. She's a mom who just lights up, I mean she like beams when she just says her daughter's name. She's a changemaker for women, she speaks out, and more importantly she takes actions. About unstereotyping women. She's real, she's genuine, and today she's your mentor. So, Alicia, I am so, so, so happy to be with you. And because I'm a huge fan on so many levels, I'm a huge fan of Orange is the New Black and your character Fig in Orange is the New Black and your new movie Equity. And I'm a fan of everything you do. And I'm a fan of just you, the times we meet. There's something about you that your being, your spirit, it just...
1: Bless you. Well, Thank no, you. No, but it's true. That's it's so true. And I was just going to say, I love, you know, it is such a joy talking to other women who you admire and who are doing things for women in the world and trying to change things for women in the world. And and so I feel the same way about you because the stories you've told me about the work that you've done that I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with... Um, are incredible and inspiring.
0: Well, and that's what's so great about mentoring moments is I really dig deep to have women on who are really authentic and Mm. real and want to share their stories to Mm. help other women that we're all about empowering each other. So let's jump right in and let's talk about your mentoring moment that, Mm. wow, you have to hear this story, something that happened in your
1: life. You know, I was thinking about this and A really big moment of my life was I had, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a scientist or an actress. And I wrote my college essays about how psychoneurobiochemistry and acting were really the same thing. And I still believe that they are. They're both studies of human behavior and who we are, what we are, and how we are, what we are from just very different standpoints. In science, we try and sort of group things in as much as possible. And in art, we look at the individual and the uniqueness. And in looking at that, we find the universal, right? So I studied science. I was a biopsych major in college, but I overloaded my courses so I could take a year abroad. And I studied in London and I studied at the Eugene O'Neill National Theater Institute. And I came back and I was like, wow, I might really want to do this. And I got amazing feedback, like, you know, amazing grades and reviews from all the teachers. And I got to perform at the, um, at like the big theater, the Royal court in, in London, but I was too afraid. I was really too afraid. And then I was at a, like a general, just, uh, getting my health checked and they found a small nodule on my thyroid. And I had a week of not knowing whether I had cancer or not. And they had to do biopsies and I was in the hospital and it was, one of the scariest weeks of my life and truly one of the best weeks of my life, because number one, I went, Oh my God, I want to be an actress and I'm going to go do that. I'm not gonna do the other thing that I also have passion for, but not the kind of passion I did for acting. I think there was a part of me that really just wanted to please my parents and be a doctor and I'm going to go do this thing and try it. And if I fail, I fail, um, but I will have tried it. And then the other piece of the puzzle was I was with a boy who I had been with since I was like 16 and he was much older than I was. And he would say he would, he really wasn't very present in the way that my husband now is very present and awesome. And he would say, but when the chips are down, I will really show up. And the chips were down. I was in the hospital, not knowing whether I had cancer or not. And he did not show up. Um, and I broke up with him and I now look back at that time and I see that that tumor, that nodule on my thyroid was one of the biggest mentors in my life because it really made me change the direction and the courage I had in my life. It inspired me to live my truth in a much deeper way than I think I would have otherwise. And it's an an example I love sharing because it is so about this thing that seems so scary and so horrible and yet ended up truly being a gift.
0: And I think that when we have those moments and we're able to do something with them. I think so often, which is understandable, right? We get into the this is horrible, and we can't see the good through mm-hmm. through the bad. So here's a question: When you're now years later, when something happens in your life and you're afraid, do you fall back on that on that story kind of and say, I "Absolutely, do this I is really, my guide I Really,
1: really do because I also. Leaving that boy, I felt like I'm never gonna find anyone ever again. Like, I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life, but that's better than someone who really doesn't show up for me. And I ended up with this incredible husband, um, who's truly one of the most spectacular humans I've ever met in my life. And now I've been with him more than half my life, and um, because I met him pretty shortly after that, uh, and I can't imagine life without him, and and I can't imagine life with that other boy. And I do say boy. I love, I love how you call him boy. He's a boy. You call him boy. He's a grown up, and he's probably right. still a boy. Um, and I really do think about that when things look so bad and so scary. You just never, ever, ever know.
0: And I see so many young women attaching themselves to either what they're doing right and keep doing it i just did a post with bethany lampland who is the coo of the foundling here in new york and one of her mentoring moments was on the back of a starbucks cup she was an attorney for the, for many years And she, she's young, she's in her 30, so many years for her was many years. Mm -hmm. And she was in Starbucks one day, and on the back of the cup is a quote, and I don't remember the exact quote, but the meaning is, if you keep doing something that you hate doing, but you do it really well, all you'll do is get better at doing something that you hate doing. Yeah. Right? And I think so often we get stuck in that. We get those great performance reviews. We get raises. In her case, she was getting bonuses. So, And I I stayed at USA Today for many years beyond Mm. when I should have left because you just get stuck in, I do this really well. And I see that with a lot of young women today. And I especially see it in the boy department that they will latch on to, but he's good enough.
1: Right. Well, I I feel very strongly about that around men and women or women and women or men and men like find someone who's not just good enough find someone spectacular because you deserve that you deserve not to settle I think like the PS to that is relationships are work and it's work on both parts and it's not you know ice cream and candy and, um, being swept off to your feet and flowers every moment. And you give what you get and you get what you give like any relationship. I, I, when I'm mentoring young women all the time, I talk about how finding an agent is like dating. It's like finding a husband and one person's soulmate is someone else's nightmare as a spouse and same with, as an agent, you have to find the people who you really communicate well with. You understand each other and that, that, that changes over time too. And I think
0: it's realizing not to spend time, in the wrong places with the wrong people Absolutely. and so I think about I was just having a conversation recently about mean girls mm-hmm. and how they still
1: exist in our worlds no matter how old we are that's so funny and, so I have a 7 year old and I was just on the beach this weekend reading what is it called the Queen Bees and Wannabes right. and yes. it's all about by Rosalind Wiseman yeah, yeah. there yes. you go yeah um And it was so interesting for me to look at like, who was I and who do I think Liv will be? Cause she's only seven, you right. know, but I, I'm a huge fan of reading up before it happens. You know, when I was pregnant, I wasn't reading pregnancy books. I was reading about how to take care of her the first year and ha- how to handle sleep and all that, because. I was already pregnant. I didn't have to worry about that, you know, and I really like to read ahead. I think that's a little bit of the A-type personality in me. And so I was reading ahead a little bit and mean girls are, it breaks my heart that they still exist. I was, I was teased and what, you know, we used to call it teasing now would probably call it bullying. Um, And I was at the same school from the time I was kindergarten till 12th grade. And that was really hard because I was always the fat kid. I was always that like loser, um, for a really long time. Do you still have mean girls in your life? I mean, I do. And I I really, I try
0: to get rid of them when I first see them. I'm, I'm, I'm very good and bad about something. I will trust somebody the moment I meet them and they have to destroy that trust. I go in with wholehearted trust And that's good because you can form some really great relationships. That's bad because you can get hurt really badly because you're trusting these people.
1: I think you've just described me to a T. I think I am exactly the same way. And I get hurt a lot. And I put my heart out there a lot and I'm, I'm a really sensitive person. Like I am deeply sensitive and I take everything way too personally. Have I learned to take things a little less personally over time? Sure. But it's super painful when people are mean and when people don't, when women don't take care of each other. It really breaks my heart. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the things about equity is we heard so many stories of women stabbing each other in the back. And that really made me sad. I grieved over that because that wasn't necessarily a story we were planning on telling. And it made me double down on mentoring. It's like, I so deeply believe in tell the truth, tell things as they are, especially as an artist And then double down on changing it. What can you do to change things? I, you know, I feel that way about orange. I feel that way about equity and making change for women. I am so excited to be part of the change I wish to see. And I am a a consummate Pollyanna. So I'll always look for the good and follow the good. So I try not to pay attention to the mean girls, but yeah, they're still there. And it scares the daylight out of me that Lib will have to go through that. I, I have this fantasy that she won't, but I know that that's probably a fantasy.
0: Right. And it starts early yeah, and it really does start early. So when you were doing, when you're doing orange, yeah. there's a lot of mean girls in orange. There's a lot of mean girls in equity. You're like surrounded by mean girls, but there's also the good in all in yeah. some of these
1: people, right? I think one of my favorite, favorite things about Orange, um, which taught me so much as, as a filmmaker and as a storyteller is every character is so rich and you see the good and bad in everyone. You know, it's like Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I think Genji and all of the writers do a brilliant job of that, of, you know, even with Fig, people hate her, they love to hate her, but they also love her and relate to her. I can take maybe a little credit for that, but I think it's it's a lot of brilliant writing.
0: I think it's a combination. It's brilliant writing Thank and you. you're brilliant at the party. You're just great. I'm playing fig. Great right at it.
1: It's
0: fun. So you're it's the really recipient fun. today of a lot of things that are going through my head because somebody just asked me earlier today, what is something that you sucked at that you still had to do?
1: Oh my goodness, Jim. And now it's really funny because fit, I love working out. It is my drug of choice. I truly believe I'm not on antidepressants because I work out every day or pretty much every day. Um, it's, I am totally addicted to endorphins and I readily admit that. And it makes me feel strong and I love the play of it. I love the music of it. It's like an hour a day where I get to listen to great music. I'm a big soul cycle fan. Um, so, you know, in the movie, actually, we put some boxing scenes because I, I feel like that's, it's a very powerful thing to do. I feel super strong when I work out. Um, I love boxing and, uh, it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, and it's so funny to me that it was this thing I hated. And I think the transition happened. Really, my acting teacher told me my senior year when I was going off to college. He said, "You have to do a team sport." And I was like, "Oh, I've broken every single toe in field hockey, and I still, you know, I'm sucking it here at, at high school." And um, and he said, "No, you really have to do a team sport in college." And I was like, oh, "Fine, what? You know." okay. He said, it's really important to be part of a team as an actor and really learn what that means. And he said, the ultimate sport is rowing and you should join the crew team. And I did. Uh, and I loved it. And it was so hard and I had to wake up at three fifty every morning, but I, what I loved about it that is so related to acting is you can't really see the other people but you're breathing and moving with them and the better a team you are the better it's eight people breathing and putting their or in the water at exactly the same time you all want to be completely in stroke together and it's a magical thing that takes outrageous awareness of other people's bodies and concentration and focus and it was really incredible
0: I had a hard time thinking this morning because there are so many things that I suck at that I have to do, right? <laughs> that I have to do in my life. As yeah, I get yeah. older, I try to do less and less, <laughs> but i um, not always so successful. But I was thinking back to when I was, well, I still am an entrepreneur, but when I first became an entrepreneur and all of the things that you have to do when you're starting out mm. that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm a visionary, I'm creative, and I think I am a fairly good leader. And so, but when you're an entrepreneur, that's how you start out a lot of times yeah. with the vision of creation and leadership, but then who's sending out the invoices, who's doing the PowerPoint deck, who's doing the Excel spreadsheets yeah. when you're a staff yeah. of three. And I would always take on the jobs that no one else wanted to do. Mm. And I look back on that and say, so I did these things that I really sucked at doing and in retrospect, I shouldn't have done them. I learned how to do some things, but I really don't care. I really right. don't care about doing them because it takes you away from doing the what you're great you at do. doing. Yeah. And so all you do, and it reminded me of when my first day at USA Today this was, oh, I can't even remember how long ago, 30 years ago. And my boss came out. It was 7 o'clock at night, and we didn't even have computers then. We had Selectric typewriters. And he came out, and I was on the typewriter. I was typing a letter, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I want to get this letter off. It's my first day. I want to blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, I pay you too much to be out here typing. You need to be doing what you do best. You have an Mm. assistant. This is her job to do. But I was like, but I want to do it because I want to get it done. And it really hit home that we really sometimes have to take that break and stop and say, I need to do what I do best. That doesn't mean you don't learn new things. And I think that goes too with our children in their education and ourselves as well, realizing that we don't do everything great.
1: I suck at delegating. Um, it's Me not, too. it's not my best skill. And I'm, I'm practicing it now. I'm, You know, for a long time, I've held off having an assistant or anything like that. And, um, I, I recently started working with an intern who's amazing and she's so good that it's making me enjoy it more than I ever anticipated, which is really great. Um, and it's an interesting thing. Also teaching our children how to do that, how to be part of a team and how to, Let go of the things that you're not good at. However, sometimes we do have to do things that we don't like. You know, that's also part of life is you don't, you know, you might not like making your bed every morning, but you make your bed every morning. And for me, a big part of it is, especially in early life when you can't delegate to anybody, looking at looking at the positive. So yeah, I might not like making my bed, but I sure like the way it looks when it's made and how I feel when I go back to my bed at the end of the day and it's all neat and fresh.
0: And are there things that when you're mentoring young women that mm. you tell them to help them, whether it's not to delegate or are there tips
1: that you say, you know, here are the things that will help you That's in you're moving forward? Great question. I would say everybody needs totally different things. One of the things that I made up for myself early on that I really liked that I try and um, share with young women starting out or men, which is every day take action. You know, I really believe in massive action and you have to decide how many actions, but at least one action in three different arenas. So as an artist, I, I truly believe As an actor, you are an art, you're an artist in show business and it's not just show it's show business and there's a business to it. So I really believe in every day doing something just for your artist. So that could be taking a sketch of those flowers over there or writing a little poem or just spending five minutes outside taking in the sunshine and listening to the birds and just feeding your artist. It could be going to a museum, whatever that's just has no purpose except to feed your soul. And it can be as little as five minutes or as long as an entire day. Mm-hmm. Number two, doing something for the artist in the business. So that's where your Doing something with other actors, doing a play reading, rehearsing, being in a show, like whatever you're doing on a daily basis, that's for your craft and also for the business, because as you're doing it, you're with other people, you're networking, you're not in your own little artist bubble. And then every day doing something that's pure business. And it's a, it's a muscle. So you want to work all three of those muscles with at least one task daily. And I think it it does two things. One is it works that muscle and you're practicing doing that. And two it it really reinforces that there are these three arenas of your career. It's not just smelling flowers all day like Ferdinand um and it's not just business all day. But it's, it's practicing all three arenas and, you know, really strengthening that muscle and then hopefully doing more than one action of all those things every day. But it also, I think as an artist, some days you get to an end of a day and you feel like, what did I do today? What did I accomplish? And to be able to check off those three boxes are really helpful on those empty days that, I can't even imagine anymore because my days are so full. But I remember being in my early 20s and being like, what am I going to do today? Like, what does it mean to be an artist? I have nothing until my restaurant job at night, you know?
0: That is a great tip. So this is what your tip that you just gave, I'm definitely doing because it's okay. it ties in with something that just happened this past weekend. So my consultant at USA Today years ago, mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in 16 years, but she knows me really well because we worked so closely together mm-hmm. for years. So 16 years later, she says, "You know, one of the things I remember the most about you that I share with everyone." And I'm thinking, "Okay, so it's not my hair." You know, <laughs> what, what would it be? Well, of course, my hair was cute then, but what would not? What would it be? And so she said. It's your story about 20 minutes a day. So I'll tell you the story. So some people have heard me tell the adoption story for my mm-hmm. daughter. So if you've heard me tell this story, bear with me for a second, because there's a different ending that's coming up here. But when I, I was doing a fertility treatment for about seven years, mm-hmm. no success, mm-hmm. decided that adoption was the right course for me and um, had a fall through with my first adoption. And was just devastated. Mm. It's just like losing a child. Yeah. It's like having a death of a child. And I was really, really devastated. And I went to a party that I was supposed to be bringing the youngest child to the party because mm-hmm. the adoption was supposed, supposed to have gone through. And I have no child. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to the party. Yeah. But something made me go to the party. So I get there and there's this woman with this new baby. And I said to her, you know, how did you get your baby? And she also had a fall through, like I did. And she said, "Okay, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I put an ad in the penny saver, which is a classified little tabloid where an ad for a dog could be on top of an ad for a baby. So I thought, you know, I don't think you're crazy. I'm not going to judge you. But I do think it's kind of crazy that this is what we're doing to find children. There's got to be like a different way. So I made a commitment to myself. I was working with one of the top agencies. I was in D.C. at the time, so one of the top agencies in D.C. I had one of the top attorneys in mm-hmm. an adoption. But I made a commitment, and I was at USA Today. I was vice president of sales, so I had a fairly busy job. that um, kept me very occupied. But I made a commitment that I would do something every single day to find a child, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't spend more than 20 minutes mm. because I didn't want to become obsessed with it. But I had to do something, and so a couple weeks before Christmas, I'm running to a meeting. I have no time, and I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I'm in back-to-back meetings the rest of the day. I've got to do something." And I think of this woman and the Penny Saver. So I call the Penny Saver, and the guy's like, "Well, we have a two-week ad special," and I'm like, "Great, just put it in." And this is not—we didn't have online then, so I couldn't like go online or you know sneak in the meeting. It was like I had to make this phone call now. So. He said, but you don't really want to do that because it's over the holiday. It'll run over the holiday and no one's doing it. And I'm like thinking, just put the ad in, okay? So he puts the This is ad my in. 20 minutes. He's right? <laughs> like, I've got to get this done and I've got to go to a meeting. And because I was so committed to every day, I will do something. And it turns out that my daughter's birth mother, her mom, was looking in the penny saver for a dog. Didn't realize her daughter was pregnant. Saw an ad for a dog and underneath the ad was the ad for the adoption from me and she noticed it because my name is Denise and her daughter's godmother's name is Denise oh my God. and so she just filed it away and noticed it and that was the end of it two days later realized her daughter was pregnant and thought there's a reason I saw this ad and that's how we connected. So that's wow. the adoption story. But the story that really like kind of hit me, like I think sometimes when we're telling stories, we don't realize the impact it has on other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sharon, my consultant, didn't want to have children. So when she heard my
1: story, she, she wasn't hearing. A day.
0: She heard 20 minutes a day. And wow. that's a story that she has shared with people
1: moving forward. I have so much to say right now. One is, I mean, I truly believe in expertise and and putting time in, you know, it's like Malcolm Gladwell in the 10,000 hours. Right. And sometimes you hear 10,000 hours and you panic. And what I'm trying to really teach my daughter is it can be five minutes a day. It can be 20 minutes a day. It's, you know, she wants to, for Taekwondo, she wants to learn to get stronger. And I'm like, just 10 pushups and sit-ups a day is all you need to do. Let's tr- do that every morning. Um which I just reminded myself we have not been doing. So I'm not perfect, she's not perfect, but we're we're going to get back to it. And taking a little taking those little bites out of big things, I think are so empowering in a way. And the other thing that you brought up that I I think is really important to mention is the idea of some people don't want to have children. And I bring that up only because in our movie, our lead character has decided not to have children and we're, people are commenting on it a lot. And it was a very purposeful choice on our part. We have three leading women. Um, my character is a mother. Uh, she has twins and she's married to a woman. Anna Gunn's character has decided not to have children. And then, uh, Sarah's character is, Pregnant and really deciding how to manage what it is to be a woman in the workforce and, and uh, assume to be mother. And it, it's fascinating how uncomfortable people are with people who choose not to be parents. And it was something I really wanted to bring up because I think it should be a really valid, easy choice for someone. Like what, why do we all have to procreate or have children in other ways? And I think it's really important just as we allow women the integrity of their choices around motherhood and support them as much as we can. We do the, the same with women who choose not to have um children, you know, and it also brings up for me, I don't know if you have one, right? Yes sometimes it can be really painful when people say like just the one, um, or, Oh, she's an only and it, it hurts my heart. Like I've done something wrong by making this choice. Um, and I, I think about having another one and I may, or I may not, but I have to do it for me, not for how other people, how mean girls may make me feel. Um, and I, in that case, I don't think anyone's at all intentionally being mean, but it's, societal pressures.
0: Right. The expected. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you only have heard this for years. Yeah. Oh, you only have one daughter. Yeah. And it was like, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Trust me. Yeah. There are a lot of young women I know who they are pregnant. They're in their attorneys. They're in high profile Mm -hmm. jobs and they won't tell anyone. And you think that's part of the excitement of being pregnant. Isn't, I mean, especially when they've been trying for years, this is not an accident. They've been really trying and now they're pregnant. And this is part of the, I want to be happy. I want to be excited. And it's like, I can't tell anyone. So all the emails are, don't tell anyone. Right, right, right.
1: I, you know, I was working, I was doing one of my dream jobs when I got pregnant. I had known that I was going to be doing it. I was playing Rosalind and as you like it, which to me is truly the best role in Shakespeare for women. So I was not going to not do that role. And I, you know, we got pregnant and I was like, okay, so I'm going to be sort of four to six months pregnant when I'm doing this. And I still really wanted to do it and we made it work. And I think I hit it a little bit, but then I, I owned it. I sort of, I certainly hit it on stage. Um, but there was also an interesting thing about the secret of it just between me and my husband and my growing child. We didn't tell for a long time just because we enjoyed that intimate secret that nobody else had. So it wasn't about don't tell for work. There was certainly that piece of it. And I another story I like to tell is I was uh, simultaneously doing a TV show And they put Spanx in my dressing room. And I was like, oh, my God, they know. But they didn't know. They just put Spanx in everybody's dressing room. And I didn't know that. You know, for me, there was this, like, really special secret. And that... You know, that was a really magical time where you knew something that nobody else did. Um,
0: see, that's great. That, but that was your decision, correct. right? That wasn't, that because, wasn't about right. my boss. And that goes back to what you were yeah. just saying. It's your decision. Yep. And that's where I want to see more young women getting to that point of I saying, agree. this is my decision. So is there anything that you want to, because I can go on with you forever and ever,
1: that <laughs> um, you want to share, another
0: mentoring moment? Anything else that you want to share? You know,
1: I... I I was thinking about other moments like that. And another moment that I had when I was, I guess in my twenties and I was starting to doubt again. I was like, you know, I had had some success as an actress, but not, um, I wasn't, uh, you know, I hadn't, didn't have sag awards yet. And I wasn't on like a hot TV show yet. And I was still doing commercials and I was auditioning to play uh, for a beer commercial. Now I'm going to back up because I was starting to doubt myself and I was starting to go like, maybe it's my look, you know, I'm too tall. I'm too this I'm too that. Maybe I should get a nose job. You know, maybe I should get plastic surgery. I was living in LA at the time. My husband was on a TV show and he was having the success that I wanted and I didn't have that. And I was like, what can I do to change myself? And I got this audition for this beer commercial and there was the hero girl and there was the waitress. And I thought I was auditioning for the waitress and I went in and they're like, Oh no, 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 you, you can audition for the hero girl. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't hear and I was having a real dark night of the soul and I asked, I was like, you know, I need a sign. Um, and the next day I got that beer commercial and I, I got booked as the hero girl as the, like the pretty girl. And as I mentioned earlier, I was this, you know, I was teased. I was the fat kid and it was a real, another moment where I went, Oh, I I guess I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do this looking like this, not looking like everybody else, not being blonde, not being, you know, I'm a and a half. I'm a tall, tall drink of water. I'm exotic looking and I'm supposed to do this as is. And it's funny. My husband has a, a tattoo that he got right after our daughter that says there is no perfect And I always tease that if I were going to get a tattoo, which I might still do, it would say as is because I, I, yeah, I really want to love myself and love everything as is. And really it's, it's a level of acceptance and and it also, to me, is a a good joke on shopping and you know bargain shopping, like taking it as is the the thing that might have a little rip in it, but it's still beautiful and I think it's a gift to my daughter that I yes. did never get a nose job in a way because I can then tell her those stories and say, "You know, God wanted me as is, and you and and I will support whatever choices she makes because I want her to be happy as who she is because right. she has her own journey which is different from mine right. but i can share that that was my truth i love that i love that that and it's hard it's yeah. hard not to go yeah other- and it still is it, i mean i live in when i live in la like that it is the the capital of plastic surgery today and i feel very Strange with my face and my, you know, wrinkles around my eyes or whatever. You don't. She doesn't have any.
0: <laughs> she has no around her eyes.
1: I have a friend who was
0: in LA Smile many eyes. years ago, and she she was told to have all of her freckles removed, which she uh. did and now you're just looking at it and saying how cool would it have been to have all those freckles because it's so accepted so that's my you know i think what you said about your daughter too you have to do what you feel good about but don't do it so that you look like the next person if something really bothers you and that will make you feel better as a person then you should do what makes you feel good But this has been wonderful, oh, wonderful. such a joy. And where can everyone find you? We know we can find you in the movies in
1: Equity. Yes. Go see Equity July 29th. Please, please, please. I think as women, it's really important to support other female filmmakers. Um, and we were written, directed, produced, and starring women. So, And and it's a really good it's movie, It's great. Too. I saw it. It's great. It's great. Um, Alicia's great in you know, it. It's great. And yes, of course, Orange's fourth season just dropped. Um, and then I just did Louis CK and Pamela Adlon just did a new TV show for FX, which premieres September 8th. And I'm doing an arc on Masters of Sex right now, which will premiere on September 10th. And you are busy. Yes, you are busy. It's a busy time, busy and blessed. Well, thank you for taking the time to do the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'm gonna blow you a kiss across the table. Thanks for listening and please rate, review, and subscribe so you can get Mentoring Moments delivered to you instantly the moment it's released. And there's a series of Mentoring Moments on Forbes.com for you to read and share. You'll find the link on my show notes.
1: You just enjoyed a Forbes podcast. To learn more about our other shows, visit Forbes.com slash podcasts. Thank you.